Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. So, don't even worry about it. <laughs> I'm so worried. Oh, no. I need some. <laughs> some, some, some. <laughs> you can't no, drink I can't. yet. I know. This you is the uh, It's a very special episode today for a few different reasons. Um, the most important of which I'll get to in just one second. But if you are listening, this is going to be our 101st episode. 101 um, and after this, uh, as we said last week, this is pre-recorded, so I'm trying to get all my timing right. As we told you last week, we're going to take a little break for the rest of June, um, kind of reorganize, uh, rest up a little bit, take a summer break, and then come back with our 102nd episode starting July, uh, in, uh, beginning of July, July 4th. So we will celebrate America's independence with the 102nd episode of Right Way Podcast presents The Real Story. Um, so the other reason that this is a super special, super important episode uh, is that first of all, June is National Cancer Survivor Month. Um, June 5th was National Cancer Survivor Day. And we've talked a lot about my situation and my, my wife's situation on the podcast um, since uh, the beginning of the year. And so... I think it was really important to have her on. So we are joined today by my beloved wife, Anna Tarakoveshti. Hi, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Thank she's you. so nervous. Yeah, she's I'm so, so nervous. This is my first podcast episode. Thank you for being here. <laughs> thank thank me mean, for being here. Thank you for being here. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, so we are, it's an important time for us because you are entering, you have just entered the fourth course of your chemotherapy, yeah, which is a protocol that is only three years long, <laughs> but we are ending the second phase and about to move into the last phase at the end of the summer. Exactly. And this phase is for 50 days and this is my six days and I feel pretty good, which is kind of weird. Probably it's because of the steroids I'm getting with the chemotherapy. Uh, but honestly, I feel so good that I don't really know what to do. What's this right now? Because She's I, so bored. I, I'm She's bored, walking yeah. around the house muttering, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. Uh, well, and also we do suspect that you, you will start to feel probably the effects of the chemo after a while during this course and yeah. you, and this course has kind of been very up and down. Um, the second course, which was most of February and March was pretty rough. Yeah. That was the um, toughest I think. But you, you, you started to feel quite a bit stronger and your body got quite a bit stronger during that third, third course. Yeah. In, third in April course and May. Was, was pretty manageable. I only get chemo in every 10th day and some lumbar punctures, some bone marrow biopsy, but nothing else, mm -hmm. as I remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why everyone said that this first course will be pretty tough, and I just don't know what's happening now. But <laughs> maybe when I stop uh, the first week of the steroids on Monday, I will feel very down. Yeah. So I'm pretty curious about that, um, and we will see. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm really excited because after these fifty days, it's just we will start the maintenance phase. Um, and the maintenance phase is two years. Two years long. Um, oral chemo's every day. Um, IV chemo in every month. Steroids for five days in every month. Um, lots of labs and biopsies and and stuff like that. But hopefully, I can go back to a little normalish life. Yeah, that's what we. That's what yeah. we hope. That's what we hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers yes. crossed. Um, so why don't you tell, I, I think it's important to, to kind of discuss where you're at mm-hmm. and where we're at in the process right now. It's been about six months since your diagnosis. Um, and we also have our ups and downs. And this has been, I mean, we've had kind of a crazy relationship where yeah. we've had to endure kind of a lot of <laughs> yeah. insane events um, and insane ordeals. Um, but why don't you, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself yeah. first and kind of catch them up and then we can talk about how you're, how you're dealing with all this. Yeah. So first of all, I think probably the most um, important that I'm from Hungary and we worked for the same company. That's how we met. And uh we could manage long distance relationship, which is like 6,000 miles and eight hours uh, time difference. And I also want to point out that we were attracted to each other based on our Google profile photos. Yes. And right? we started talking on LinkedIn, which uh, I initiated. I have to admit. Okay. okay. <laughs> that All was right. me. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. true. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. Uh, embarrassed to admit that you made the first move. Yeah, that was me. Um, so yeah, so so we managed the long distance, and then COVID hit, and we had to like. Kind that of, was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, because of the idea of not knowing when we would be able to. Yeah, and because of also, meat. it's important to we we met. You were based in Budapest. Yeah. I was based in Los Angeles, but we did meet in person February of uh 2020 a month before before the globe like the kind of like worldwide quarantines hit yeah and we we could meet in um la LA. after four months texting yeah and um one call there was one phone call the foster yeah you were in florida for christmas vacation with your sister yeah that's Um, true and we talked on the phone very briefly yeah, so you know the travel ref- restrictions and everything. It was really hard to manage, and also the U.S. immigration process didn't make it easier to to make the final moves, which missed uh, moving here, which happened last July. Um, which is another very courageous, uh, courageous act on your part, I yeah, think, I to mean, pack up your life in Budapest, where you'd lived. Your entire life. Yeah, I never lived anywhere else. And I, I have my family there. I had a flat, which I sold. I had a job. Um, so I kind of gave up everything, uh, which was For the me. best. Yeah. For me. <laughs> which was the best decision in my life. Come on. And, um, I love you. I love you. And the most important that I'm your wife now. Yeah. And I'm also a sister and a daughter and a human. Yeah, as yeah, you yeah. too, guys. Yeah. And honestly, when I realized that I am like a, just a vulnerable woman, as as everyone when I was diagnosed before before a few days of before Christmas um, with leukemia, 
because I always saw that I, I always lived a healthy life and I, I tried to be active and nourish my body and and stuff like that. And uh, and I always saw that. And you saw how I did, right? You, you think that this can never, whatever the, that th- whatever those things are that happen to other people, it could never happen to me. Exactly, exactly. And I always saw that I will never have cancer. I will never have any like serious sickness. And here we go. And I, obviously you, you ask the questions, why and why me and why now? Um, and there are no answers. But you just have to, like, you know, accept the fact that I, I never, and we actually, like, talked through and discussed at the beginning that it's not a death sentence. It's it's a challenge. We have to go through and we will yeah. together, which I'm very grateful. Yeah. I cannot even tell. Um, because I asked you two times if you want to do this with me and are you sure about that? Um, the first one was... The moment after diagnosis. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's like a total, um, like a normal question in this situation. Um, And I couldn't do it without him. So, so that's, that's the best. Well, and equally, you make it equally easy because as people can probably hear, you, you have a very like kind of powerful outlook and you're a very, um, my, I'm so impressed by how fast you, and we did have a conversation about it. And I think we did have a lot of hard conversations in the beginning sure. that maybe people don't want to talk about. I mean, you know, this, this kind of stuff is at your doorstep and you have to start talking about like death and mortality and worst case scenarios. You do because they're, you're not being pessimistic. You're, you're, you're being reasonable and you're scared. Yeah. But we did have a conversation about acceptance yeah so that we could move forward exactly. and i am so impressed by how quickly you sort of accepted now there was one there was one moment that we talk about all the time when because you're a very impatient person oh i'm the worst yeah okay good i just <laughs> want to make sure that everybody's aware that. <laughs> we're all aware of that um and uh when your doctor, uh, Dr. Rhoda at uh, CBCI, when, when they came and gave us the formal diagnosis and then came and gave us the formal prescription of the what chemo protocol you were going to get, um, when you heard three years, there was a moment where you were like, nope, I'm not. Yeah, because for me... Um- yeah, like you said, I'm the I'm the worst. I'm the most You're impatient. The I'm the most You're impatient just- <laughs> person. Uh, we we have to admit that. Like you know, the just- words you hate the most are soon ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> you see any soon. vague vague? Yeah. You like a countdown. You like I which like- three years is a countdown? I hate you know. I, I want to tell you it's a countdown, but it's, it's a, really a longer fucking one. Long countdown, so it's yeah. like I can deal with stuff which is like a few months, mm-hmm. and. I honestly saw that it will be like half a year and then we are done. And I was like, you know, when I was thinking about that, okay, half year, I can see the end. And when they said it's three years and I'm like, what? I, I, I didn't even remember what happened three years ago. So it's like, how, how we will survive? How can I do this? And, um, yeah, it, it was so shocking and I, I didn't want to believe it, but then you have no other choice just to, just to accept. So, what did that internally, uh-huh. what does acceptance mean for you? Or how does that work in your brain? Is it, 
Is it something that you have to, is it a process for you to achieve it? Or do you have to kind of wait it out to reach a point where you have no other choice but to accept or how to, cause I think for me, uh, I had, i not that I want to make this about myself. <laughs> Here's what your cancer diagnosis meant for me. Um, what a terror. I'm the worst. No, you're not. I'm the worst. No. Um, but I think with acceptance for me, I have to work through a bunch of other emotions before I can really get there. So I really do have to go through like almost that, you know, that whole famous scale where like bargaining, what is the scale? I can't remember the name of it. I should, I shouldn't even bring it up if I don't know what I'm referencing, but I, ha I have to like be angry and I have to be sad and I have to dread and I have to be depressed before I can kind of get there. So yeah. what is it, what does it look like for you? I'll be talking now generally, right? Probably Maybe generally, but this is like the perfect example of a moment in your life where, yeah. where what else, I mean, because you said that you don't have any other choice, but people obviously do, because I think they're, when confronted with diagnoses like this, a lot of times they're, you know, and what if the diagnosis, the, what if the prognosis for us was worse? Like would, oh, what would that mean? You know? Yeah, because it's also important to mention that this type of leukemia, the this acute lympho lymphoblastic leukemia that I have, have B-cell Philadelphia negative is curable and not just treatable. Yeah. And uh, that means that hopefully we can obviously not forget the whole thing because I think we, we are already new people, we new perspective of life, but, but it's curable. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it will never come back and I don't have to worry in my whole life, which I probably will whenever I but feel I mean, you will have to get frequent sure. checkups to make sure the, the marrow yeah. is clear, but, but the, I mean, it, I, th I think it's also important to note, like at your age group with this per particular protocol, it's curable, you know, this, and blood cancer treatment has come a long way just in general in yes. the last even decade, but it, it depends on the person, depends on the demographic, depends on the age group, depends on the gender. Yeah. I think it's interesting to note that your same protocol in a man would last four years and not three. In females, it's three. Yeah. Female patients, it's three. Yeah. Um, so back to acceptance, just a little background that I feel that I had to like, um, I'm not saying fight for everything in my life. But I had have to like accept a lot. I had to walk through on those steps to have like a normal career. I, I work in uh, communications and public relations. I was a former um, university lecturer back in Hungary. So I, I always had to work for stuff, which means you have to accept lots of stuff. So I think that I, I had that mentality when we started this. Uh, I mean, you're the strongest person I know. So, yeah. Because so. you are biased. But <laughs> it feels good you say that. Um, but honestly, I I really feel that in the last half months, my, my brain shut up lots of things, which I cannot remember. Um, but I I remember when I was air flew to Denver that night, I, I, I was already thinking, what, what can I benefit from this? And I was in a shock. That's like, what can you learn from it? Learn, f yeah, or maybe business-wise, or what What should I do with that? Uh, and I'm still thinking about that because I, I really want to give back to people, help people, but also it can be maybe like a business opportunity for the future. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I think my... So right away, you were, you and, and so you, you got, we got 
the the kind of first diagnosis the night of December nineteenth. Yeah. Uh, at uh, Mercy Hospital ER in Durango, Colorado, you got airlifted to Denver Airport. Yes, three a.m. To night. Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital to Colorado Blood Cancer Institute. So already on that flight, in the middle of the night, you were already think about thinking about what could be the benefits of this very dark moment in your life. Yeah, but I I was in a shock. We both right. know that, and I feel that since then I had lots of like similar moments and I feel that I always say that the first 30 37 days I spent in the hospital was easy and manageable and I, I always refer to that as a hotel I don't know why a lot of crying those first two weeks though that's true for us both obviously yeah. and I I remember every night when it was dark and I was alone because you spent almost 24 7 there but there were nights, obviously, when, when it was dark, I was alone and, and it was like snowing outside and I felt alone and scared and and bad thoughts came to my mind that what if I won't woke up the next day or what if anything happens because there was that option too. Yeah. Um, so I don't really remember how I accepted it, but I think I just, I just knew that there's nothing else. I cannot give up. I want to live. I love our life. We just started it now. This is the, the happiest part of my life. And, and I just want to keep doing it. And we have so many plans. And I just knew that it's it's more like a pause. And I feel that our life is now delayed. And not only me, but you had to give up almost everything in your life. But we can go back to that. We can go back to our plans. And that's if you have plans and if you if you if you know what you want to achieve in life i think that helps to to accept this because it's not it's not for for good well and it's interesting because i i do think like people especially um, i i don't want to say especially in america because you always have kind of a better point of view on on that than I do. But I always say that like, Oh, like, I feel like I say that on every podcast, like, especially in America, people are like this. And every time I say that around you, you're like, well, they're like that in Europe too. So like, don't, um, I feel like people get pretty preoccupied with like their life trajectory and momentum, you know, especially professionally, they think like, I can't ever stop once I get things going, you know what I mean? And I, I think about that. I think of just thinking about what you just said, like we both um, and you in, in such a more kind of astronomical way have just like abruptly stopped life in a certain way and have had to figure it out. But I think you're right. We do have an anchor of like our own plans and what we want to do and the kind of life we want to live. And as long as that's intact, I think you can pause you can stop. You can, you know, take a break and address something else in your life. Like, you know, for anybody that needs to like address their mental health, maybe mm-hmm. taking, you know, to have an opportunity to take a step back. Like you, we don't in with the, the American mentality of the, you know, the kind of rat race and like, I got to do this and then I got to do mm-hmm. this and then I got to do this. And like, and if I stop or let up for a second, I'm going to lose something i'm going to lose whatever and it's and it's it's maybe the the most flawed part of our thinking because then we do look at stuff like this moments like this that do just cuz we didn't choose to stop we were stopped 
we were paused. Yeah. And it can make you look at something like this negatively as an interruption instead of a pause. And it's obviously, it's, we cannot say it's positive, right? No, that, right, right, right. I mean, you know, I think it's, I can be wrong, but I would say it's not like American versus European. I don't mean to say that. I, I, I know, I, say that. I know, but I think it's more like a personality stuff. But you know me, I cannot rest. Yeah. I'm always on the move. I cannot post things. I cannot stop after like a huge hike. I'm I'm asking what's next. But I think there are happenings in life when you have no other choice to just stop. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was thinking, and no, it, it doesn't matter how, if I would have all the money on the world, if I would have all the contacts in the world, I couldn't do anything with that. And that I think that's one of the most important thing. And and um, and it's still so like eye-opening for me that health is the only one you cannot do anything with it. I mean, of course you can be healthy, but if something happens like leukemia, which can happen to anyone, then you cannot do anything. Well, and that's one of the lessons we, we learned, right? Be, particularly for you, not so much for me because I'm not exactly the pinnacle of health uh, all the time, but you really, you can really try to do everything right for your health and- this can still yeah. happen um, because you're, you were, you're a runner. Like you said, you always try to nourish yourself. You, you really are one of the most active and, and purely healthy people that I've ever known. So the fact that, I mean, that's why I think one of the reasons that we spent so much time going like, this is unfair, this is unfair. Yeah. When, when fair and unfair doesn't really enter into it ultimately. And I, you know, I had that same revelation that you did, which is, I remember driving back from the hospital after you got airlifted and yeah. getting ready to come to drive up to Denver right the next morning. I was so angry and so angry and so angry and yelling and screaming and crying. And then all of a sudden I was just like, who am I arguing with? There's nothing, there's no one to argue with, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and no one to answer your questions. And, and of course, I think it's a part to be angry. Because obviously, mm -hmm. I mean, what, how could it be not angry or like, you know, um, but it just doesn't work at the end. It just, it just harms you, I think. Is there any kind of perspective that you think you've gotten from, you do keep it, you do, you're, you're active on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, yep. Kovia, at Kovia on Instagram, K-O-E-V-I-A, uh, follow her uh, to, to keep up with, with Anna. Um, you do, you do, you have, you, and you're a participator in the, in the community. Um, you participate a lot with, uh, LLS, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, uh, a couple not-for-profits in the Denver area. And a lot of people that, a lot of patients that have not only are going through, but have gone through what you, you have. And, you know, we spent, you spent 37 days in the blood cancer ward at Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital. Is there stuff you think the perspective that you've gained from meeting and talking to other cancer survivors or cancer warriors or um, people facing it or people maybe hearing about it for the first time, because also that's the other thing, right? In our time, these last six months, we've actually encountered a number of people who've been diagnosed just in that time. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. I mean, I, I honestly, never saw that there are so many cancer patients all yeah. over the world. And uh, and I, I can say I have friends from South Africa, from the U.S., from, from European countries. And um, 
and yeah, it's it's really amazing how how hard everyone is fighting, and also it's really good to see that everyone has their moments when they don't want to wake up, they don't want to get up from bed, they are just crying, they feel that it's just it was enough. I'm not saying giving up because um, because I never felt that, but but there were pretty tough times yeah. for us yeah. and. Um, and, yeah, and you felt just, that a couple of times, right? I you felt, felt that, like yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't do this. Yeah, especially on the uh, second course, I I had like twenty four seven nausea and loss of appetite, and we were like freaking out that I I cannot eat and I don't have the energy, and I passed out on January first, and we were pretty freaked out that what it will happen again and actually it almost happened yeah you like to you like to repeat <laughs> that moment uh. um yeah um but you know back to perspective and that's like um related to other cancer patients but i already feel that i have totally new perspective of life and that's actually pretty good because i want to stress less i always oversold everything and stressed a lot and if i look back and realize what I was stressing about, I could kind of laugh on myself. And I totally realized that those things are. Think about all the stressing that we do for like the day-to-day stuff. And then not really having enough energy to stress over serious shit like this. Cause this is the stuff we should be saving that stress for. Right. Totally. Is like the big moments, the tiger in the room, whatever, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it that's just, a, yeah. Any other points like that you've perspectives you've kind of learned during this time? Um, sure. Maps. Uh, do you want to talk about how much you love? No, I'm kidding. I don't. Know. Yeah, you, you have to know. I, I I don't like taking naps and seriously. not just don't like it. Like I, I feel like I, when I mentioned a nap the first time, you were like a what? <laughs> yeah. Well, what is that for? <laughs> um. Yeah, I cannot. I don't like, I feel that if I wake up, I just want to do everything what I can. And then nights are for naps. Um, That's a long, nights are for the long nap. <laughs> true. The but, sleep. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. but I don't need right, naps. Right. Yeah, um, we are always laughing about that with my sister. She's the same as me. And um, and they have the same issue with, with her boyfriend. That Can yeah, we have a nap? Yeah, I see. I understand that. <laughs> The plight yeah. of being with a Koveshti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a family thing, I think. Um, so yeah, of course, I, I really do want to enjoy life and every aspect. And I really want to appreciate little things because especially when I was in the hospital for more, more than a month and I couldn't see sunshine, I couldn't see the streets, the the cars, like really little things. I realized how much breathe is, real air. You didn't yeah. breathe outside air yeah, for thirty seven days. I couldn't yeah. open the, do- uh, the windows, and I could only walk on the floor where I walked a lot. So that's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel that I really miss running, and I know that probably at first time I could run like one and a half minutes, and it will be the most suffering one. But I I also know that it will be the happiest, and I just really want to enjoy like dining in somewhere or go for a little walk or just enjoy the sunshine or, or have a coffee somewhere because that's also the thing. We, we were just at Starbucks and um, and I saw a girl who, who was coming out from Starbucks with a coffee and with her phone and she was laughing or smiling or whatever. And I felt jealous because, because I feel this 
little things are the, are the big things. Mm. And I also realized that I, I really want to use my time as most as I can. And I really want to work in a job, which I enjoy because that's like eight, 10 hours a day. And I just don't want to be around people who, who make me feel negative or bad. And I really want to enjoy everything what I do, because I think that's the most important. Uh, I mean, I hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Do you think, I think it's also, it's, it's worth it, you know, to discuss not only since it's like national cancer survivor month, mm-hmm. it's worth it to discuss anybody who, any, any family or any couple, um, that has been, that is, is touched or has been touched by, by cancer. The, and like you mentioned before, the, the fight, like their, mm-hmm. the ability to fight, but also like the intense adaptability, um, which I think we've also exhibited. I, I, I want to, I want to reiterate, you know, just for, for all intents and purposes, um, when you got, you, you moved over here permanently. We got married this last summer, last summer, yeah, almost a year ago, uh, December, um, we, we had a house in Durango, Colorado in December, just before Christmas. Uh, we got called to the ER at Mercy Hospital after some lab tests of yours. And you were told to pack a bag. And we got in the car at nine o'clock at night on a Sunday night and drove to the hospital. And maybe you didn't know at the time that you were leaving the only home you've known so far in America, our home, you were never going to see it again. Yeah, I mean, when they called us from the ER, ER, that was the scariest call I ever heard because they not only said that you should pack and, and your husband should come with you, but they also said that, hey, Anna, be here in an hour. Yeah, don't take longer than an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why I, that's when I think we knew that it's it's more serious than just an anemic thing when I need a blood blood transfusion, which was so scary at that time. And since then I got a lot, so it's just nothing. Um, But yeah, just, yeah, with a backpack, we we, we didn't know that we will never go back, but that's the truth for you too. And and Well, I left the next morning. I, you know, left the next morning with a bag for you and a bag for me. And we never saw that home again. No, Um, thanks to your parents. Thanks to my family. We're able to help out and get it. Get and, it packed um, up and taken care of, but but we never saw that home again. Yeah, and we've been that, in Denver ever since. It's and, six months, and we have found some kind of a weird new like temporary life normal within that. Yeah, and that, even even right now. Yeah, that's supposed to be our first Christmas. We just decorated our house, and and it was so exciting that just everything. Yeah. Um, but also I would like to mention here that, and I, I always want to tell because I feel that when it's about cancer, it's always about the patients, but it's not. It's about the caregivers too. And I think oftentimes you are more heroes than us because. Well, that's not. I, that's true. I mean, I have to focus on my health and that's my task. And you have to focus on me. You are a caregiver for me all day. You cook for me, you do my laundry, you do the groceries, you work, you do all the insurance stuff, which is also kind of crazy as I just entered the country <laughs> and um, and we saw that we are healthy, so we don't need a good insurance, <laughs> whatever. Um, 
Yeah, big time shout out to our nurse coordinator, Blair, at uh, Colorado Blood Cancer Institute, who during open enrollment for insurance was like, your insurance is not good for this. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I I really mean it that I think you are the most awesome, but like all the caregivers, we we have to give them a huge shout out and, and your parents, they just also kind of give up their life and my mom and sister couldn't visit me yet because um because of covid and and because of i'm immunocompromised and and i can have lots of infections and it would be risky but but they also support us from there every day so i i feel pretty lucky and I, i i do believe that you have to do everything yeah and i just only not just but i have to focus on my health and everything else is is secondary secondary and and uh, handled by you oh well i mean no it's it's true i mean well you're the strongest person that i know and i can't tell you how easy i think you've made it because especially when you're in the hospital i have to say that like you know i i'd come and stay all day um and and every morning i'd get there you know bright and early and you would be up and smiling and i think we always say like you could have been under the covers and crying and I could have been a bar drinking myself to sleep and no one would have blamed us. And we didn't. Um, and I think a lot, there are so many couples and families like us who are dealing with this, these kind of, this kind of diagnosis and these kind of transitions where they have to up and move temporarily. They have, you know, we, we have a couple friend who um, he was diagnosed with uh, the, ALL also the same mm-hmm. leukemia that you have. Um, and they had to, they have a, a newborn and a business in Fort Collins and they had to up and move themselves to, to Denver to be close to, uh, to the, to the clinic. Uh, people are just doing anything they can and everything that they have to do to make sure. And it's a joint, right. it's such a unified effort. It's such a team effort to make sure that that one person, the patient can can get through what they have to get through in the best possible way. Yeah, I, I mean, you cannot do it at all. It just you just cannot. And then some people have to too, which yeah, is which is all my respect. All of my I, all of our. I absolutely. mean, all my respect to all the survivors and and um, fighters and and everyone out there. I, I just feel that no matter what type of cancer you have, if you have to go through this, you are just amazing superhero. Superheroes. That's you. You're my favorite superhero. (laughs) You are mine. (laughs) As a caregiver and a husband. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Come on. Come on. Blushing. (laughs) You are right now. Yeah. um, It's. I think it's. It's such an interesting time for you to be for us to be talking about National Survivors Month because you are still in treatment, but you are a survivor. I consider um, myself a survivor. You're, you're yep. in remission. I mean, that's, I think, um, which we are thankful for that every day. But, you know, and and on that note, for everyone out there, uh, please go visit the Lymphoma and Leukemia Society website, lls.org. You can donate. There's a lot of amazing stuff happening for blood cancer, but cancer research for treatment of all kinds. There are 17 million cancer survivors in the U.S. alone, um, but that also doesn't account for the people that are just getting diagnosed, are enduring it right now, are living with it, um, 
or terminal, et cetera. And you, you told me a kind of a frightening statistic, I think about leukemia, which isn't it. Someone gets diagnosed every eight minutes, three minutes, three minutes. Yeah. In the U S and it's, it's crazy. So that's why I would like to ask a favor from everyone of you. If you feel you are not good, if you have those kind of symptoms, which is a little scary or just not feeling normal, just go to your doctor and, and check it out because it's worth to check. And That's actually a great like call to action um, because when you were, before you were diagnosed, we were on a trip to Chicago yeah. um, and you had had COVID a couple months before. Oh, yeah, one and a half. One and a half months before. And you were getting pretty out of breath having feverish type symptoms, cold type symptoms. And it was pretty easy to dismiss those symptoms as like, oh, I just, we'll see how I feel tomorrow. Um, could be long haul COVID, whatever. Um, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways we were lucky because the week we got back home to Durango, you had uh, a, a lot of bruising yep. on your legs, mysterious bruises. Um, this is also guys, um, for anybody out there that would like to know, that's kind of a telltale sign of, of, of anemia and leukemia is this, uh, is very mysterious bruises on the legs, hips, stomach, um, and also a, uh, pist uh what's called pistachio, which are very small like blood, like looks like kind of a blood vessel kind of appearance around the bruising. Go get that blood checked immediately. Um, and we are certainly so thankful that we did, that yeah. you did. Yeah, because the doctor said that maybe in two weeks I could have had a stroke. Yeah, could or have cut your or... could have cut your finger chopping vegetables. Yeah, I never, I never forget when Doctor Roda told us the diagnosis, and he was like, "You can guys get a second opinion, but you don't really have time for that." Yeah, yeah. And here you are. And here I am. Here we are. Half year later, <laughs> smiling. And I think also smiling. I think a big grin on your face. And also, uh, I would like to say that a big congratulations to you because we went to our first UC USCIS green card interview for your two-year green card and we got approved. Yes. You are approved. You got a green card in the <laughs> mail for a, a real resident. Not yes. citizen yet, of course. We have to wait for that. But um, four years probably, but hey, what? I'm a permanent resident. Who cares? <laughs> you can't get rid of me now. Um, I, uh, I'm really glad that we sat down because you're also, it is possible that you're going to be appearing on some future podcasts elsewhere. Yeah, there's we'll, a chance. We'll announce that when that time comes. But talking about cancer and the diagnosis and leukemia in particular. Um, so you wanted to get a little practice, practice <laughs> Thank in, you for that. and you were so nervous, but you were amazing. Thank Don't, you. Come on. I think blushing so. Blushing version two. <laughs> 2.0, blushing 2.0. Um, yeah, you were, you were incredible. And I'm also glad that we sat down now during this month before you got too tired to sit up at all. Yeah. Probably a week later, I was like, come on. I'm not doing this i'm not doing it bring me a bring me some pate <laughs> that's the big thing i think uh it's a, a, during her in the midst of her chemotherapy her one your one kind of consistent craving has been pate on toast i was just thinking about that i'm having a, that for breakfast for like three months now I know. because otherwise 
my taste and cravings are like changed. everything is changing sometimes in an hour and it's just it's weird yeah um thank you my love thank you i appreciate it can I, great. can I get you anything in this podcast episode <laughs> is over? Maybe water. Water? Do you want to fill up your water bottle? Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please uh, like, comment, review, subscribe. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I'm, being, <laughs> I'm being reminded by my producer slash guest slash wife. Um, Visit uh, visit our, our website, Rightway website, rightwayco.com. Um, important to note that this podcast will not be airing for a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be back in July. Uh, and also, Rightway itself is no longer taking clients for the summer. Uh, we're taking a little break. Um, but you are free to um, communicate with us via email. Also, uh, visit the uh, Lymphoma and Leukemia Society website, lls.org. Uh, we will put a hyperlink to that in the show notes. And also, Anna and I do uh, have a GoFundMe that's maintained by my sister lovingly um, for our medical and relocation expenses. Um, and for those and any other GoFundMes um, for anyone in your life that has been touched by cancer, uh, do donate, uh, do give. These medical expenses are real. Um, cancer treatment is very expensive in the United States. We will put hyperlinks to that as well. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks to everyone who's supported us and to all of the cancer survivors and cancer warriors out there. Uh, we, we hear you and we feel you and we're thinking about you at all times. Hey, thanks again for listening to The Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about Rightway, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers.